What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses are helping me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's getting so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, or speak to merchants. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com SPP. That's right. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist. A confidence boost before your interview. Or a last minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest, I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Thanks for joining me, Chris Stemp, your host. This week on the show, I think it's a first. I got to be honest, I think this is the first time we have ever covered plastic surgery, not really plastic surgery, kind of everything that goes into looking younger. So maybe it's a skincare routine. Maybe it is plastic surgery. Maybe you're curious what moisturizer to use or what retinol cream or who knows. But the point is, I'm always trying to learn. And I was excited when we had a chance to bring this guest on. Now, before I get into the guest briefly, I I just want to mention You've probably heard by now we are on Patreon. Patreon's a platform where you can support your favorite artists and so that we can create bigger and better things, you can become part of the community, and you can get some perks in return. Well, I'm going to ask you to go check it out. We are at patreon.com slash smartpeoplepodcast. And here's why. For example, with this episode, I really wanted to dig in, do some research, present some product recommendations from our guests this week. And I simply couldn't do it. Like we need help. We need to bring on some part-time work to do the transcripts, to do extra research, to write different articles. We're doing video. We got to edit the video. 
So I just think there's a lot more we can do so that you don't just learn things on Smart People Podcast. You actually take them and implement them into your life. Because as much as you're listening to learn and be entertained, I know there's something you want to go create. There's something you want to do. And look, plastic surgery might not be how you're going to get there, but what we do as a whole can help you. And I think as a community, we can be even stronger. So any amount really helps. And we're not just holding out a cup here. I mean, we give things in return. One of my favorites is ad-free episodes. You get your own RSS feed. It goes straight to your podcast player. So it's not anything different. We have a Discord community, which you can learn more about that. Monthly video chat with John and I, and a lot more in the works. And by the way, shout out to our newest patron, LM. He just gave us his initials. He's sneaky like that. And David H. You guys rock. Thank you so much for supporting us. If you're listening, help us on our quest to 50 patrons, which will then allow us the support to go back to weekly episodes. All right, so let's get back to it. I am so excited to have on the show Dr. Anthony Yoon. Dr. Yoon is considered one of the nation's best-known experts in looking younger with or without surgery. In fact, he's known as an expert in what's called holistic plastic surgery, which is why I wanted to have him on. What does that mean exactly? Can plastic surgery be holistic? Is it just vanity that we're talking about here? And these are all questions I ask. For the past dozen years, Dr. Yoon has shared his tips on TV shows such as Rachel Ray, The Doctors, The Dr. Oz Show, Fox and Friends, and many more. He has a new best-selling book called The Age Fix. A leading plastic surgeon reveals how to really look 10 years younger. So I hope you learned something new. We're not only making you smarter, we're making you look and feel better too. Here it is, Dr. Anthony Yoon, as we talk about plastic surgery from a whole new perspective. Enjoy. All right. Well, Dr. Yoon, thank you so much for being on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, for all those listening, you know, they'll hear about it in the intro, but we're kind of in the presence of a superstar right now. Like you are all over. You are everywhere. <laughs> I guess I'm omnipresent, I suppose, in many ways. But yeah. That's, I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm really interested to learn about that kind of journey and that world and everything. But I, I want to start here. As I mentioned to you before hitting record, we've we've never talked about this topic. We've never talked about plastic surgery. We definitely talk about health and wellness, but there is a connotation that comes along with plastic surgery and plastic surgeons. And when I first was introduced to you, I was like, ah, this just isn't it's just something inside me didn't feel right. And uh, and I read more. I really like the approach I was reading about holistic plastic surgery and then I read an article that quoted you saying that you wrote your first book to show that not all plastic surgeons are arrogant, money-grubbing jerks. <laughs> and I appreciate that. So I, I want to ask you two things. And the first one is, why do you think you can separate yourself from that negative connotation of plastic surgeons? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a great question because it's funny when I meet people, new people, and they say, oh, what do you do? And I say, I'm a plastic surgeon. I met with one of two responses. Either they go, wow, that's really interesting. Or they, um, or they kind of, they look disgusted. <laughs> and, and they, 
they recoil in horror at who I am. Um, and then I tell them that my wife is a pediatrician. They go, oh, maybe he's a decent oh, guy. Oh, my God. That's so true. <laughs> so, so at least I have her to, to, uh, that has my back. My back. But yeah. I, I think, you know, we see things on TV. We read these salacious articles. Um, and now it's all over social media where there are these uh, male doctors who have female patients. And they say things like bigger is better and hey, hey, girls, come on into the boob room. And, and just things are so inappropriate. And on top of that, there's so many doctors who are uh, masquerading as actual plastic surgeons when they're not because they just want to make the money and they want to look cool. And, you know, because plastic surgery and all the medical specialties is one of the most, quote unquote, sexiest, I guess, of them. So, so I grew up as a bespeckled nerdy kid who couldn't find a date. Uh, and it, you know, and I became a doctor for the idea that I had this general idea. I wanted to help people. Um, and so I thought, well, I want to help people. I like working with my hands. And so I thought maybe I'm going to be a general surgeon, you know, I'll take out appendices that are sick, gallbladder, stuff like that. And, uh, and I was in medical school and, and I saw this 60 year old man stumble out of a call room at three in the morning to attend to a trauma. And I thought, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that with my life. And, uh, and so I got, I, I hit this big question mark of what type of doctor do I want to be? And I thought, you know, my personality really matches that of a primary care physician where I trained as a medical student as a school that is all about primary care and how do you treat your patients? And they call it the biopsychosocial method and all this stuff. Um, and so for a, th a while, I thought maybe I'll be a, pla a family doctor. And, and then I started looking into plastic surgery and it really um, connected with me. And there was a story that I had, and I put it in my first book in Stitches, of this little girl who had her face literally eaten by a raccoon. I mean, it was horrifying. And to see the plastic surgeon and how the plastic surgeon worked to reconstruct it and, and give some hope to this child, to me, after that, I was hooked. And so I thought, you know, that's what I want to do is I want, you know, I'm not a guy who's into this life and death situations. You know, I, I don't I, I, I'm not that type of a high powered vascular neurosurgeon. Like, that's not my personality. I'm more of the personality of a family doctor but I loved working with my hands. I was always an artist and it really brought me into then this field of plastic surgery. Um, and so I went through all the training and, and, and one of the reasons why I think surgeons especially have a bad rap is because our training is so intense that you may go in as a nice person, but you come out as a arrogant jerk a lot of times <laughs> because that's how you survive. And I did not allow that to happen to me. And, and I was lucky in that the place that I did all my residency, all my training, uh, was essentially a nice place. Uh, and so I actually came out, I feel pretty close to the person that I was when I when I came in. And, and that's how I've lived my life since then. There's a couple of things there that I want to talk about. And I also want to let the listeners know, don't worry, we are going to get into how to make yourself look younger. Okay, so we're, yeah. we're getting there. But when you talk about it, the environment of becoming a plastic surgeon oftentimes does turn you into, a, you know, perhaps this arrogant jerk. What is it about that environment? And is it specific to plastic surgeons? Um, you know, so plastic surgery to, to become a plastic surgeon, you have to go through at least three, if not five to six years of general surgery training. Um, and so it's not necessarily the plastic surgery years that are the ones that are 
the most difficult. It's the general surgery years. And and that has always been, the training has always been um, a situation where you come in and you're the low person on the totem pole and they basically just treat you like garbage. And you are treated like garbage and, and you hope that when you get to that point, then you're going to be the one that treats the new people like garbage themselves. And and that's what happens to a lot of people is that they come in, they're treated so poorly and they and they, in the mind, back of their mind, or maybe even subconsciously think, geez, when I get to that point, then I'm going to be the boss and people are going to listen to me. And, and then you get there. Um, mm. and, and so for me, I was keenly aware of what was going on with that. I did not allow that you know, to affect me in that way. Uh, and plus, the place that I trained at was not nearly that. You know, we actually call it benign or malignant in, in residency. Oh, wow. You know, kind of like tumors. Or yeah. And there are certain malignant residency programs where they treat you so poorly. In fact, there was one in Georgia where they bragged that they had a 100% divorce rate. So you go in as a resident your first year and, and every single resident gets divorced. Wow. <laughs> it's that bad. And why would you go into that residency? Right. Like, I was, I'm like, I'm not going to apply for that. I don't want to get divorced. Yeah. Um, and then there are others that are considered more benign, where they treat you better. And for me, I went to a quite benign residency. And, and I, honestly, if I would have gone to a quote-unquote malignant one, who knows if I would have survived or maybe if I'd be selling cars right now. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Not even funny. It's almost sad when you talk about that culture and it's in the medical field. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, at the core of it all, I think, and most people I know become doctors for at least fairly good reasons. I just don't understand why it fosters that environment. I get the competition, it's, but It's still. a noble profession that the vast, vast majority of doctors aren't doing it for money. I mean, you know, we can make more money going into business and things like that with the amount of schooling and the loans and mm -hmm. the debt that you take on. Um, I think really what it is is that it is such a, and especially when you look at surgery, it is such an important job that you really need to, you, and you have such a, you know, a, a finite period of time that you have to learn how to do all of this stuff. And you're not allowed to make mistakes, you know. And so because of that, you need to, un you need so many hours. It's kind of like that whole Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours, you know, doing something to become an expert. You, you need that time. And there's only so much time to do all of mm, that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and so it is necessary. Now, now the last many years, there have been uh, laws that have come through that have limited resident work hours, which I think is super important. But back when I went through, I mean, I would go 36 hours working straight without a, you know, an ounce, you know, without a, a minute of sleep. Uh, and that was very commonplace back then. And mm -hmm. they don't allow that type of thing to happen quite as much anymore. Good, because they found the error rate that increases with that lack of sleep. I mean, it just yeah. seems commonsensical to me. Well, when you have no sleep and it's four in the morning and you're holding retractors for your third hour of a surgery, I mean, there are times where you start nodding off and right. you're in the operating room. I right. mean, it's, 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 it can be a potentially dangerous situation. Absolutely. Well, I want to get into this idea of holistic plastic surgery, because I have to admit, a, it sounds catchy. And so that put me like, wait a sec, that sounds catchy. But then B, it also does draw me in because I'm thinking maybe there is something to it. And the more I looked into it, it sounds as if your goal seems to be, how do I help people feel better about the way they look through all methods? How What would you consider yourself to be? So yeah, I think that it's, some people think a holistic plastic surgery, that's a contradiction in terms. And I think it depends on what you're the idea of what you think holistic is, you know, and for me, holistic means whole body. It's the whole perspective. Other people say, well, holistic, doesn't that mean uh, just natural? 
you know? So if you are taking a prescription medication, you're not being holistic. Well, sometimes you get sick and, and if you've got pneumonia, I hope you take a prescription medication to treat it because otherwise you could die. So the way I look at holistic plastic surgery, and the reason why I really wanted to coin that term is because there is so much that we can do to help us look and feel great. And, you know, there are doctors out there whose first, uh, the first thing that they reach for is an invasive treatment. So somebody comes in and they say, Dr. Yoon, Dr. Yoon I, I, you know, I feel like, you know, people tell me I look tired. What should I do? And for some doctors, unfortunately, the first, you know, suggestion would be Botox or facelift, you know. Well, what we're finding, and, and this is something that we're not even, we're not taught this in residency, we're not taught this in medical school, but you always got to start with, with the beginning and, and really with what affects you day by day, and that's your diet. So what you eat has a profound impact on how quickly you age and how your skin looks and how old you look. You know, the, the second step from that is what you put on your skin. And as a board-certified plastic surgeon, I had almost no training uh, or education on what we put on our skin. I had to learn that all separately. This week's episode is brought to you by Rothy's. Have you heard about this company making stylish shoes for women and girls out of recycled plastic water bottles? Oh, and they're insanely comfortable and machine washable. Rothy's has quickly grown to a most loved gotta have them brand. It's no surprise they have over a thousand nearly perfect reviews. Rothy's shoes are stylish, sustainable, and comfortable enough for everyday wear. But you don't have to take it from me. I don't wear them, but luckily, my wife Amanda does. Amanda, what do you think about your Rothy's? I love my Rothy's. I got the gray camo sneaker, and they are super cute and go with everything that I own. They're honestly the most comfortable pair of shoes that I have ever had. John, I know this is going to kill you, but I can't wait to see what new colors and patterns that Rothy's comes out with in the future. Oh, can't wait. Rothy's are the everyday flats for life on the go. They come in a wide range of colors and patterns, and they're available in four different silhouettes. Plus, they're constantly launching new styles, so you're guaranteed to find a pair, or three, that you'll love. Since Rothy's are seamlessly crafted from recycled water bottles, they're ultra-comfortable as soon as you slip them on. That's right, there's zero break-in period in these shoes. Plus, Rothy's always comes with free shipping and free returns and exchanges. No risk, no worries, no reason not to try. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com smart. Go to rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash smart to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash smart. And now back to the episode. And so, yes, as a plastic surgeon, you know, we're taught how to take care of sick patients. We're taught how to operate on people. We're taught how to do reconstructive surgery. But are we taught just what foods are best to turn back the clock? No. You know, are we taught about how sugar can be very damaging to the collagen of your skin. We are not. And that's what I want to get out there is because there is this a, a huge picture of so much that you can do. And surgery is such a tiny part of that. Isn't it true you would make a lot more money if you constantly pushed surgeries? Yes. And I would tell you, and I mean, full disclosure, I do a lot of surgery. Sure. You know, I get a lot of people asking me, I did a surgery this morning. Mm -hmm. um, but the, but once again, you know, the, there is, 
it's like I can operate on somebody and I can help two people a day, three people a day, or I can do a lot of the stuff I'm doing on YouTube, on Instagram, on my podcast, and I can reach thousands and help them look better every day and feel better. Um, and so, so that's part of what, you know, the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm loving that. And look, I tried to do all the kind of research up front. I mean, there's a lot here that supports the reason you're successful. And I think it's both a mix of your approach and your skill set. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of it, I mean, it's, it's looking at a couple of different ways. I mean, you know, treating patients, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, my, what it comes down to number one, the, my number one, you know, uh, uh, I guess, uh, um, in, in importance every day is the patient that's in front of me, you know? And so if I'm operating on somebody, then that's all I'm focused on. Um, but in the times when I'm not doing that, then it's like how, then for me, it's how do I get this message out there that you can look and feel your best without going under the knife by, you know, changing what you eat, by putting on the right non-toxic skincare products. There's so much that technology now is even doing uh, with creating different at-home treatments as well as in-office treatments that surgery really is becoming, I mean, every year the amount of people undergoing cosmetic treatments is increasing substantially every year, but the number of people actually undergoing surgery is staying about the same year mm. after year after year. Interesting. Well, that's what I plan on getting into with the rest of this conversation. Uh, I've got a number of things that, frankly, I just want to cover because, look, people out there can be thinking, oh, plastic surgery, and it's so vain. But the truth of the matter is almost everyone deep down does care about their appearance and more than that, also how they feel. And, and it hits at different times in your life. I know for me, you know, I'm in my mid thirties now. I think I look pretty good, but I just started a skincare routine, right? So, so I can say, oh, this is just for people who care, you know, who are vain. But the truth is I see what's in my cabinet and what I put on my face. And that's why I wanted to have you on. Yeah. And I think, you know, really the first step is being healthy is beauty. You know, some people say, well, I want to feel beautiful. And, and if you're not healthy, it's hard to feel and look beautiful. And so it always starts, you know, or, you know, just in general, if you're a guy, then it, it's be feeling good about yourself. Like if you're just, if you're not healthy, it's hard to feel good about yourself. We talk a lot on this podcast about food. I think we have a good sense of that. What I would like to focus on are the things that really a plastic surgeon such as yourself would know. And I'm sure it'll go a number of different ways. That first one, like you mentioned, is these at-home products. They are so confusing, right? Like yes. I cannot figure it out. I used to run a nonprofit that was dedicated to healthy food. And in that space, I, I learned a lot about ingredients. And then I got focused on ingredients in other things, cosmetics and things. Tell us right off the bat, what works and what doesn't from a at-home skincare perspective? Yeah. So just like you said, it's so confusing. You go to the department store, you go to Sephora or Ulta, and it's hard to, to pick like, what do I use? So what I recommend is that there are certain things that you ideally should do every morning and every evening. I call it the two minutes, five years younger skincare routine. And I have my own products that we sell for it, but you can pick your own as well. So the first thing is every morning you get up, you cleanse your skin. Okay. Pretty straightforward. You want to use a cleanser uh, that matches your skin type. And ideally what you want to find is that if you cleanse your skin with it, afterwards your skin feels clean, but it doesn't feel too tight. It doesn't tingle. It doesn't feel too dry afterwards. 
Um, and so usually if you've got, let's say, oily skin, you want to use a more foaming cleanser. Okay, that's going to remove a little more of the oils for you. If you've got, um, if you've got drier skin, then a more milky type of a moisturizing cleanser is better. So you cleanse in the morning. Second thing, after you cleanse, you want to apply typically an antioxidant serum. So antioxidants, you know, you talk about it in food all the time. Um, and the most common antioxidant serum that most skincare companies have is vitamin C. Mm. So apply vitamin C serum. It's as an antioxidant. It's going to fight off those free radicals. So like car, uh, automobile exhaust, pollution in the air, even from free radicals from the processed foods that you might eat during the day, that cream is going to help or that moisturizer, I'm sorry, that serum, <laughs> yeah. that serum is going to help to fight that off. So you got to apply an antioxidant serum, ideally vitamin C. If you really want to take the next step, then do a combination vitamin C and vitamin E because we do know studies show that the two of those work synergistically to actually give you even better antioxidant uh, protection. And then the third thing is to apply a sunscreen. And I usually recommend one uh, with an SPF of 30 or more. And you want to avoid oxybenzone because that's a potential hormone disruptor. Okay, because that's what I was curious. Th those two things that you talked about there, that really the, um, what was the middle one that you talked about? The antioxidant serum? Yeah, the serum and the sunscreen. I feel like, okay, I see vitamin C, I, I see vitamin E. All the other stuff in there is what terrifies me. I can't pronounce it. And the same with sunscreen. I always wonder, like, sunscreen's not something that's natural. So, so tell us how, how to find the good ones, what to be aware of, and, and why it works. So, I mean, with sunscreen, the, the number one thing, and it's very commonly used, is oxybenzone. And we do know there are studies that show that that does um, mimic certain types of hormones in the body. And so avoiding that is super important. Um, you know, I think when you're looking at, at uh, skincare products, it definitely, I mean, there, and it's interesting because how, when I trained and where I trained, you know, plastic surgeons sold skincare products, I have companies come to me all the time. Hey, we want you to represent our product. We want you to sell our product. Um, and the vast majority of these are medical grade. They're effective, but they're made in a factory and they have tons of different types of chemicals in them. Um, and it's hard even for me to try to keep track of, is this chemical good for me? Is that good for me? <laughs> so, so one thing that I would recommend your listeners do is the environmental working group. You know, they've got a, it's called skin deep. They've got a database where they will go into all of these types of ingredients. And there's also a, um, an app, um, that you can download too onto your phone. And it's called, let me look it up here on my phone here. It's, uh, called, I think I have it too. Think Dirty. Yes. The yeah. Think Dirty app. And so the Think Dirty app, it doesn't have all the products there, but it has a lot of them. And they will give um, all, you know, so many of these products at a number grade of just how, quote unquote, clean these products are. And so use that as a guideline because, you know, I get, you know, I do interviews all the time and say, well, what about this, this ingredient? Do you think that this is okay? Right. And there's so many out there that are preservatives. And as I don't know what right. happens to them. So I go to those two places, Environmental Working Group Online or the Think Dirty app, and that will help get you along. I mean, there's certain things that we know, like methylparaben, that's not good for you. Phthalates are not good for you. There are certain formaldehyde releasers. Uh, but so many of them have different names, you know. It's right. like you talk about with food, trans fats. Well, you know, it's never trans fats written on the, <laughs> on the ingredients label, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So... So you've got to know these things, but if you're not sure and, and, you, and it's hard to do the research, go to Environmental Working Group or Think Dirty. 
This week's episode is brought to you by Wix. Get started today for free at wix.com smart and apply code smart at checkout to get 10% off when upgrading to premium. All right, if you've been listening over the past few weeks, you know that I've been building out another Smart People Podcast website on Wix. It's Smart People Podcast Book Club, and you can go to it at smartpeoplebook.club. Here, we'll be featuring our favorite books from authors of the show, so you can check out our wall of fame, and then each month, Chris and I are going to recommend books for you to read. I had a blast making this site on Wix. It was super easy. I'm not the best designer, but Wix made everything both simple and beautiful. If you've been thinking about building a website, whether it's for your business, for yourself, or just to put something out into the world, you need to do it on Wix. The designs are top-notch. The dashboard interface is super intuitive, and they just launched Wix Turbo, which means that all the sites made with Wix now load faster than ever. So as a listener of Smart People Podcast, you can take advantage of a special offer from Wix. Get started today for free at wix.com smart and apply the code smart at checkout to get 10% off when upgrading to premium. And now back to the episode. All right. I love that. And EWG is something that, yeah, I have kind of looked at for a long time. They also have an app and I forget what it is. I'll look it up. But oh, okay. Um, so I appreciate that. Now, I want to talk about one thing that I have just added to my routine and I've heard all the research I've done, and I love to research things, that it works, which uh, retinols. So tell us, do retinols work? Why do they work? Because frankly, I don't really know. And um, what are they used for? So you are, you are going right into the second step of the routine. So the first step in the routine is in the morning. Oh, okay. So you do the cleanser, you, you put an antioxidant and a serum, and then you put the sunscreen. And at night, you cleanse your skin. Super important, okay, because you got to get rid of the day's worth of grime and dust and, and oils that have built up on your skin. And then ideally you want to apply an anti-aging cream every night. And the best cream, if you, <laughs> excuse me, if you ask plastic surgeons and dermatologists around the country, if they could pick one anti-aging cream, most of them would pick a retinoid. A retinoid. Retinol is a over-the-counter strength retinoid. It's, a, it's basically a derivative of vitamin A. Mm. Tretinoin or Retin-A is the prescription strength version. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so most people I recommend, if you're going to pick one anti-aging cream, go with a retinol. Okay. It's an over-the-counter strength. Once again, the majority of skincare manufacturers have a retinol-based cream. Uh, and when you look at the actual science, um, there are so many studies that have looked at tretinoin, the prescription strength, showing that the, the effects are very, very impressive. So prescription strength tretinoin has been proven to thicken the skin reduce fine lines, tighten the skin, exfoliate the skin, uh, get rid of pigment and unwanted pigment, and even reverse early pre-skin cancers. Wow. You know, so for those people with horrible sun damage and you're getting skin cancers popping up on your face, I'd recommend you put yourself on prescription, uh, pres prescription strength tretinoin because you may, you may find that it reverses some early pre-skin cancers. Now, the, the thing with that is you don't know what it reverses because it doesn't turn into a skin cancer. Ah, right. <laughs> but the studies do show that it does that. Um, and so, but the problem with prescription strength tretinoin or Retin-A is it's, it's very strong and people can get a major dermatitis type reaction to it. Usually that subsides within about six to eight weeks. But if you don't want to go through that, then an over-the-counter retinol is the way to go. When you said the Retin-A thing, 
I so I have oily skin and I had some acne when I was younger and I remember that being a thing back then. Like oh yeah. I don't think I used it. And I also remember them pushing something called Accutane, which I definitely didn't use. That's um, a whole other deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, yeah. you were just bringing me back to those those teenage yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, and you know, people do get prescriptions for tretinoin, for mm. Retin-A, for mm. acne. Um, and, and, it, and it does really help with that. Uh, but, but we also find that it's so good for anti-aging as well. And so for those people, you know, who have, let's say, thick skin and they got real oily skin, then a retinol is not going to work quite as well. You know, they may want to try to go for a prescription strength tretinoin because you're going to be, it's going to be more potent. Mm. But for somebody who's a bit older, they have thinner skin, they have more mature skin, it's drier, they may not do well with the prescription strength. So for them, no question going with a retinol cream is a better option. Oh, I appreciate that actually, because that, that helps with the differentiation. Like it could be an age thing or the, the thickness of your skin, the plumpness, the dryness, it, all of that matters. And that again is why it's so confusing. Um, let's move on to another one while we're on the face here. And that is the eyes, right? Those infamous dark circles. I've learned or I've heard that those can often be caused by, from the foods you eat. Is there any, is that true? And then with that, um, how do we get rid of them, both with what we eat and what we put on the eyes? So as far as food, that is going to impact more of a temporary thing. Um, and so if you're eating real salty foods, if you go for Chinese, if you have foods with a lot of added, like, uh, really it's mostly like MSG and those types of sodium types of things, mm. then you can get puffiness as your body retains water. And that's and because the eyelid skin is the thinnest skin of the whole body, if you're going to swell, that that's where you're going to quite often see it first. Mm. Um, and so that's going to be more of a temporary thing. Now, when you're dealing with, quote unquote, dark circles under the eyes, um, really the treatment has to be, um, it has to be targeted towards the cause. And there are three main causes of dark circles under the eyes. The first thing is fat. We get puffy fat under our eyes. It runs in families. There are topical um, tightening serums that you can apply onto that. Uh, so like, let's say you've got puffiness under your eyes and you're going to go to a class reunion and you don't want to have surgery or anything like that. There are topical serums. There's one called Sudden Change. It's like $15 at, at uh, Walgreens hmm. um, that basically acts like a shrink wrap for your under eyes. It lasts for a couple of hours and some people use that before an event. Uh, but the only the only permanent solution, if you've got true puffiness under the eyes, is to get rid of that fat, is surgery. Mm -hmm. You know, and and you take that fat out with a blepharoplasty. Mm. Okay. Now there, now another cause of of dark circles uh, is thinning of the skin under your eyes. And so once again, I mentioned that the skin under our eyes is the thinnest skin of our whole body. As we get older, that skin gets thinner and thinner, and it becomes transparent in some people. So some people with lighter skin, that skin becomes transparent and you start seeing the blood vessels underneath. The only way to really improve that is to thicken the skin. And so that's where using a retinol cream can help with it. Because if you remember, I mentioned a few minutes ago that tretinoin, prescription strength, um, prescription strength tretinoin has been proven to thicken skin. And so you don't want to put that on your eyelids. It's way too strong. But if you use an eyelid cream that has retinol in it, you may be able to thicken that skin and make it less transparent, thereby reducing the dark circles. Mm. Make sense? It makes great sense, yep. And then the third cause is pigment. So those people who have darker skin, people who are maybe Latino, uh, people who are African-American, people who are Asian, 
Sometimes we get pigment that deposits there. Then you want to look at a actual skin lightening cream. Uh, and there's ones with kojic acid, niacinamide. Uh, those can help to reduce that pigment to decrease those dark circles. So dark circles have three main causes, and, and it really comes down to you have to self-diagnose what cause do you have. You know, is it puffiness? Is it thinning of the skin? Or is it pigment? Is it possible that the darkness under your eyes waxes and wanes? Like sometimes I feel like, wow, what happened to me? And then other times I feel like it, it's not there. Is that something that, that can change? Um, it is. And, it, and I think most likely what you're dealing then with is you may have some mild puffiness under your eyes. Mm, okay. uh, and so one way to diagnose it is, is if, you, if, you're in, if it's a sunny day and you're outside and you go, my eyes look really good. But then when I'm in a dark house and I look in the mirror, then I feel like it looks terrible, then, then that may be the sh due to shadowing from puffiness. Oh, that's it. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So when you're outside and there's sun bouncing up everywhere, there's no shadowing there, you look good. But if you're in a, at, a per at a friend's party in the evening and you walk by a mirror, you go, ah, look how bad my eyes look. Well, that could be because it's, it's very, you know, the, the light's recessed. And you're seeing a lot more shadows, and in which case, then it could be due to puffiness. Okay, and I, I blame it on my ten-month-old. Really, that's what it is. I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> so think I've slept in ten months. Just so. need, yeah, maybe you just need to get more <laughs> sleep. That's the first thing people say to me. They go all the time. They come in and say, "Doctor, and people tell me I look tired. What should I do?" <laughs> my first question is, "Are you tired?" Because <laughs> if you are, you should get some rest. That's amazing. Oh my God, I love that. If I went to you, you'd be like, "Wait, let's let's talk about this." That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, moving on a couple of other things I want to cover is just fat. Okay. Because this, like, can you melt fat? Can you freeze fat? Can you suck fat off? Like, what is going on with all these lasers? And now I'm going to freeze it and then I'm going to heat it and then I'm going to drain it. It sounds kind of disgusting to me. And I'm wondering, yeah. does it actually work? Yeah. So about 10 years ago, I was on Rachel Ray's, um, talk show and I said something that I basically said that the Holy grail of plastic surgery is getting rid of fat without diet, exercise, or surgery. Yeah. And at the time, we, we didn't have that. Well, what's happened in the last 10 years is there have been a couple of devices that have been proven safe and effective to actually reduce fat without needles, without surgery, without dieting, you know, basically without any type of hardly even discomfort. Um, and it started with this device called Cool Sculpting. And the Cool Sculpting is very interesting because it started with this idea that this kid kept um, eating, uh, kept eating um, um, oh, what are they, um, popsicles, and would stick the popsicle into his, the, into his cheek. Every day would have popsicles, and the father, who was a physician, noticed that there was a dent in his cheek after a while <laughs> and figured out, wait a minute, the fat in his cheek was killed off by the cold of this popsicle. Now, we know from... Um, from our studies with pressure sores that we know that the skin is much more durable than the fat below it. Because when um, people would develop pressure sores, you would have this tiny little hole in the skin, but we would have all this damage underneath to the fat. And so we know that the skin's more durable. So you combine those two ideas and they create this device where you actually uh, heat, chill out the skin and the skin can get so cold but still survive, but the fat underneath it crystallizes and actually dies. And then the body will cl clears it by its natural mechanisms. You basically poop it out later. What? And so by putting this into a device that literally then sucks, let's say, your, your fat and your skin into the device. And it chills it to the point where the skin is cold, but the skin has survived. 
but the fat underneath it crystallizes and a lot of those fat cells die. And then once again, your body then clears it. Um, it does, after one or two treatments, reduce the thickness of your fat by approximately 24%. Um, and now there are new devices. You know, The one that we have in my office is called Sculpture. That one uses a laser to do the same thing, but instead of cooling the fat, it heats the fat uh, and, does, and gets a pretty darn similar result. So technology has been great for us. And it's not a weight loss thing. So if somebody says, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds, can I do sculpture or cool sculpting? No. It's for those areas of fat that are stubborn that, you know, you say, look, I work out, I'm in great shape, I eat well, but gosh darn it, I just have these saddlebags or I just have these love handles, you know, or I just have this little pooch on my tummy. Can mm. we reduce it? Yes, now we can. Wow. So it actually works. You can freeze fat. It really does work. Um, interestingly enough, now there are at-home devices that companies are trying to sell saying, oh, you can freeze the fat with this device at home. You know, it's not like you take an ice cube and you rub it against your tummy and the fat's going to go away. (laughs) You know, no, I mean, these really, you know, and I haven't tested some of these at-home ones. I'm pretty skeptical on those. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would recommend if you're going to do it, the two two ones now that are state-of-the-art, that are considered the, the top guns, technically there's three. There's a new one that just arrived on the scene, but it's Sculpture, which is a laser, it's cool sculpting, which freezes it, and then there's a newer one called True Sculpt, which is a radio frequency, which is a different type of an energy too that 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 appears to be working as well. All right. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that because I honestly without the medical knowledge, I didn't believe it. So now I'll, you know, now I'll, I'll say I'll give it a shot maybe one day. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy, but this stuff does work. Now it's variable. Sure. Uh, so we get some patients, you know, we recommend two treatments um, for maximal effect. And we get some patients that do one and they go, oh my gosh, this was great. I don't even need to do a second one. But, but we do some, we have some patients, they do two treatments and they go, eh, I think it's a little bit better. Hmm. So it is variable. That's the problem with any of these um, non-surgical devices is that it depends on how your body reacts to it. And some people's body, the fat's a little more durable than others. You know, that's where you can't really predict. And you see that with laser treatments and, and any type of a technological device that relies on your body kind of remodeling or, or healing it. Uh, everybody gets a little bit of a different result. This week's episode is brought to you by Audible. Listening makes us smarter, more connected people makes us better partners, parents, and leaders. And there's no better place to start listening than Audible. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial, and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com smart or text smart to 500-500. Audible is where so many inspiring voices and compelling stories open listeners up to new experiences and ways of thinking. Audible members now get more than ever before. Members choose three titles every month, one audiobook plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Members also have unlimited access to more than 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. Audible members can also get free access to the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post delivered daily to the Audible app. With the convenient app, members can access Audible anytime, at the gym, while commuting, on the go, and on any device. It will always pick up right where you left off. If you're looking for recommendations, why not start off with Smart People Podcast fan favorites? Check out Alexis Ohanian's Without Their Permission, Brene Brown's Daring Greatly or Dare to Lead, and Simon Sinek's Start With Why. 
Explore all the ways listening on Audible can help improve mind, body, and soul with entertainment, information, and inspiration. Smart People podcast listeners can take advantage of this offer today. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial, and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com slash smart, S-M-A-R-T, or text SMART to 500-500. And now back to the episode. Well, I know we only have a couple minutes left. And so first I wanted to say, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about this again, but if, if you're listening to this thinking, wow, there's so many more questions I have, you answer so many of these in a number of places. I mean, one of the things you really have dedicated yourself to is trying to get this information out there. So not only your book, which is called The Age Fix, a leading plastic surgeon reveals how to really look 10 years younger, but you also have a podcast that you do weekly called The Holistic Plastic Surgery Show. And I just want to impress upon our listeners that doing a podcast every week is time consuming. Doing a podcast every week when you're a doctor seems to be insane. So I, I just wanted to say, like, those are some places where people can get some additional information. And, and I'm, I'll give you a minute here to, to tell us where else you are. But I wanted to ask this last question. I've heard some scary things about breast implants recently. Things like uh, leakages or th- uh, certain um, breast implants actually being proven to cause cancer. Could you help us a little bit understand the safety, the efficacy that goes along with breast implants, breast augmentation, what to look for, what not to, et cetera? Yeah. So this is a a big discussion. Um, And so I do have a podcast episode that's dedicated to these types of things. Um, But I'm happy to go over kind of what you need to know in a nutshell. Um, So there is a type of breast implant um, that has what's called a textured surface. So implants come in two types of surfaces. There's smooth and there's textured. The textured surface implants have uh, kind of traditionally been called the gummy bear type implants. Uh, and the surface feels like it's like sandpaper. Those implants have been shown to be related and potentially contribute to creating um, a type of lymphoma called anaplastic large cell lymphoma. And the idea is that the textured surface of these implants, we think right now maybe it's bacteria that gets on the surface of these implants that reacts and or that the bacteria reacts to your surrounding tissues. Your tissues create this type of an inflammatory response that year after year after year, if that happens, you can develop this type of, of rare type of cancer. Now, as of today, there's been approximately 457 confirmed cases by the FDA in the United States of this cancer, and people have died from it. Now, you have to consider that there are millions of people with breast implants. So this isn't something that is something that if you have textured implants, you should lose sleep over or anything like that, but to be aware of it. In my patients, I no longer use those implants anymore. And thank God, I never liked those implants, and I think I may have put two or three in in Mm. my entire career. Mm. Um, But there are still doctors who are using those. I myself don't agree with that. I feel like you know, we know that they're related to this type of cancer. So would recommend if you're thinking about breast implants, my patients, I only go with smooth walled implants. There's, we don't know of any confirmed cases of smooth walled implants and this cancer. Okay. Mm-hmm. But look at the FDA. They've got their recommendations right now. If you've got textured implants, they're not recommending you take them out just to be aware that if you notice any changes to your breast, like a mass in your breast, increasing size, because one of the first symptoms is excess fluid around the implant. 
um, then definitely talk with your plastic surgeon. So what is the general safety like? Because again, I admittedly, I know nothing about this topic, but I mean, I feel like there's so many things you can't put in your body under the skin anywhere without your body fighting it. So breast implants seem on the surface to be almost impossible to work. And of course, that's not true. So how is it that they work and are they actually safe? I mean, do they leak? Like, what do we need to know there? So I would say overall, breast implants are generally deemed safe. Uh, there are two major issues that uh, right now are very hot topics with them and that I would encourage anybody who's considering breast implant surgery to consider this before you make the decision. If you can be happy and live a happy life without breast implants, then by all means, you should. You, know, you shouldn't undergo surgery that you don't quote-unquote need. Um, and those two things are the ALCL that we just talked about, the potential rare case. And, and the way to avoid that is don't use a textured implant. Uh, the second thing is something called breast implant illness. And there, and it's a very controversial topic. Some plasterers don't even believe it exists. But there may be a small group of patients of women who, for some reason, their body just does not react well to implants. And they can get uh, autoimmune-type symptoms, symptoms like fatigue, hair loss, muscle aches, joint aches. We don't know who might be susceptible to that. You know, there are early studies now that are looking at that. Um, but you want to take that into account, especially if you have a history of autoimmune disease or if you've got severe allergies, that type of a thing. But really what it comes down to it is, is that breast implants have been deemed safe by the FDA. That's why they're, you know, allowed to be used. That's why it's the number one, you know, most popular cosmetic surgery in the country. That's why there's over a 95% patient satisfaction rate with these, with breast implants, hmm. but they aren't for everybody. And I would, you know, tell your listeners that if you're thinking about breast implants, if you can be happy and live your life completely happy without implants, you know what? Why not? Well, I appreciate that. And like you mentioned, I want to leave it on this because I would love to have another hour with you, but you're a big time doctor. So I appreciate, <laughs> I mean, 45 <laughs> minutes is special. a lot. Um, but, <laughs> Thank you. but, you know, as I mentioned the book, The Age Fix, and also you just mentioned you, you cover this topic in depth on your podcast, which is the Holistic Plastic Surgery Show. So um, is there anywhere else you'd like to point our listeners who are, you know, still looking at, at, at these types of things, still worried about how they look, how they feel, um, things like that? Yeah. So if you're if you're interested and just want to get started and you're interested in what the information I have to offer, if you go to my website, dryun.com, D-R-Y-U-N.com, and you sign up for our e-newsletter, I'll send you two free e-books. One's called What to Eat to Look Younger. And the second one is 10 Things Every Plastic Surgery Patient Must Know. And uh, every week I send an e-newsletter with interesting information from holistic health to plastic surgery to everything in between. Um, we also you know, have all the podcast information there, but that's a good place to start. Just go to the website, sign up for the e-newsletter, and we'll send you the information every week. We don't spam you or anything like that. So. Well, Dr. Yoon, I really appreciate you taking the time. You know, from all everything I've read, learned, and heard, I, I definitely agree that, uh, you are one of the brighter spots in the in the plastic surgery industry. Oh, well, thank you. Um, You're too kind. <laughs> so I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed Dr. Anthony Yoon. If you want to learn more about Dr. Yoon, his book, and his podcast, The Holistic Plastic Surgery Show Podcast, head over to dryoon.com. All right, time for some quick housekeeping. If you want to rate and review the show, head over to iTunes and Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to reach out to the show, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. 
Don't forget, you can support us on Patreon. So head over to Patreon and just look for Smart People Podcast or go to patreon.com slash smartpeoplepodcast. Well, that's it for us this week. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Make sure you stay tuned. Head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter. And we will see you all next episode.